Hey, weirdo, what's your superpower, and how will you use it to change the world? Welcome to Season 2 of Just Us Weirdos, a serialized fiction podcast about learning to be heroic, no matter how weird your power might be. I'm Charlie White, and I'm so glad you're joining me here for the story today. There are just two episodes remaining in Season 2 of Just Us Weirdos, and you're about to listen to one of those two right now. Well, not right now. I've got a little bit of an introduction to get through first. I hope that hearing this story today brings a little bit of a smile to your face. I know that you all are bringing a smile to my face. I have been seeing a lot more downloads since we all have been stuck at home. And I've been hearing from some of you, like Gino in Chicago. Thanks for listening. Also, 13-year-old Nuri, who's from Barcelona, Spain, wrote to us asking where we get our ideas for the show and where we live. I told Nuri the secret origin story of Just Us Weirdos. And since we're all in quarantine, I guess I'll tell it to all of you too. But Nuri, you knew first. The idea for Just Us Weirdos came about when I had a friend over, and he and creative director Gabe and I were all having a conversation, and we made a game of trying to imagine the worst superheroes we could come up with. We were just doing it to laugh, and now, honestly, I feel kind of mean about it. Because the thing is, we came up with these characters, and then I kind of started to like them. Like, a lot. And Gabe and I couldn't stop talking about them. We started to realize that we're all people who have really weird superpowers in some way or another. And we started to imagine stories with these kids who were trying to change really important things using their powers that didn't always seem like they were going to work out too well. So it started with the characters. And then things like Binary Consolidated and Quadropolis and Mrs. Work came after that. Gabe and I were out on a paddle boat in a very small lake in Michigan, which, by the way, Nuri, that's where we record from, Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the United States of America. Anyway, Gabe and I were on this boat, and we started talking about how this all came together. As soon as we got back to the cottage that we were staying in, we found the only piece of paper we could, which was a placemat, and we started making notes that turned into season one of Just Us Weirdos. Back then, we didn't even know this was going to be a podcast. In fact, I didn't even know how to make a podcast. But Gabe and I were fans of other great family podcasts, like The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian and What If World. And it wasn't too long before we realized that podcasting is a great way to tell serialized stories to fans of all ages. We love telling these stories, and Nuri, we're so happy for people like you who listen. Thanks for tuning in with us. So that was a long time ago in the history of Just Us Weirdos. Let's hear a little bit more recently, like what happened in the last episode. Well, for 36 episodes, we've looked at the character of Mrs. Work, and we've thought, is she a supervillain, or is she actually a hero with really weird values? It's starting to become a little bit more clear, because Mrs. Work is now wearing robotic spider legs, made from the same spider suit that Beninja's grandpa wore when he lost his mind and lost control on Binary Tower. Who would put those on except a supervillain? The problem is she's not our only supervillain. 
Mrs. Ponzone is there with her army of mind-controlled, super-powered animals. And Dagny Work is there. And why do I bring up Dagny? Well, it breaks my heart. But she's been going behind the weirdos' backs. And she seems to be doing her own thing. And it seems like Dagny might be a supervillain too. I really hope not. Meanwhile, Mrs. Work in her spider suit has pinned both Ben Ninja and Mrs. Ponzone, and the animals are out of control. Graphene and Teal Titan are on the ground in Quadropolis, and they're facing down Mrs. Work, trying to figure out how to stop her. And that's where we're gonna pick up. Get comfortable, think of something weird, and put a smile on your face. It's time for issue number 37 of Just Us Weirdos. Game of the End, part one. Like, let go of my friend. Teal Titan bravely faces down Mrs. Work, who stands in her streamlined NSC spider suit, pinning Beninja and Mrs. Bonzone to the ground. Beninja is currently being bathed in rainbow-colored lights coming from a panel on the NSC suit, which happened to be draining his powers again. His mouth falls open in surprise. Oh my gosh, Teal Titan, he says. First, IT Girl betrayed us by becoming friends with Mrs. Ponzone, and now you're asking Mrs. Work to let Mrs. Ponzone go? Teal Titan rolls her eyes. OMG, what are you even talking about? Beninja rolls his face to her as much as he possibly can while being held to the ground by a robotic spider leg. You just told Mrs. Work to let your friend go. That means you're admitting that you've betrayed us and have become friends with a supervillain, Mrs. Ponzone. Titan smacks her forehead. I can't even with you right now. Beninja, you're my friend. You're the one that I'm asking the evil spider lady to let go. As the rainbow light washes over the astonished Beninja, scrubbing his body, not only of the banana machines that make up his samurai armor, but also of his banana-related superpowers, his mouth falls even further open in astonishment. Y you you want to be friends with me? Beninja is silenced by a robot spider foot placed strategically on his mouth. But even as Mrs. Work moves to subdue and silence Beninja, Teal Titan hefts the tool Beninja made for her, a fire extinguisher filled with teal paint. I'm like warning you, let him go, she says. Mrs. Work turns her head toward Teal Titan and says, I have two pieces of advice for you. Teal Titan does not even wait for her to finish her words. She pulls the handle of the fire extinguisher and a massive cloud of teal paint sprays out towards Mrs. Work. Then another compartment opens up on the NSC suit and a jet of clear gas flies out of it, making everything smell pretty terrible and everybody feel lightheaded. It's paint thinner. Teal Titan's cloud of paint mixes with Mrs. Work's cloud of paint thinner and the mixture falls to the ground in useless tiny teal drops. Unfortunately for Titan, she had been planning on her gambit working, and she has already launched an attack. 
she jumps through the cloud. Like, this smells a terrible. And yet another of Mrs. Work's robotic legs seizes Titan in midair and slams her to the ground. Titan smashes her fists into the robotic suit, but to no avail. The paint thinner has neutralized the teal paint, and teal Titan's powers only work against things that are colored teal. Desperate and pinned to the ground, Teal Titan slaps the side of her teal-colored shorts, trying to knock herself out from under Mrs. Work. But even with super strength, the spider leg pinned on her chest means she just moves herself around in a circle. Mrs. Work gives an evil smile down to her. The first piece of advice was never to disadvantage yourself by taking the time to give me a warning. But even as Mrs. Work is speaking, a massive ripping sound comes from behind her. Graphene has just drawn a gigantic pair of pliers on the ground with her graphetic manipulation power, and she's popped them into reality. Graphene runs toward her maybe best friend's mom to try to grab her in the pliers. But another spider leg shoots up and starts spinning. A gigantic eraser is attached to it. The pliers collide with the eraser leg and are reduced to nothing. And as Graphene watches in amazement, her legs are swept out from under her. The next piece of advice, Mrs. Work says, is to recognize that an opponent with a superior mind is prepared for anything. Six robotic spider legs supplement Mrs. Work's two human legs. And four of these are now being used to pin three superheroes and one villain. What are you going to do to us? Graphene says through clenched teeth. It's not like the vice president of the world's most successful company is going to kill four people in the street of a city. Mrs. Work just smiles at her and doesn't answer. Somehow this is scarier than if she had used words to answer Graphene's question. But the intimidation is interrupted by the screeching of tires. The weirdos turn their heads to see the newest arrival. A station wagon being driven by a determined-looking woman. The passenger door opens to reveal a very large man wearing a tie-dye lab coat that is several sizes too small for him. And bunny slippers that are just the right size. This is Fish Out of Water's dad. Jefferson Gigajoule Jones. He's still gripping a football in one hand, just out of habit. He walks over to the driver's side and lets Mrs. Jones out of the car. Then he opens the back door of the station wagon. A young woman in a very expensive-looking suit steps out. Her hair is pulled back in a bun, and she looks... Hungry is the only word that comes to Graphene's mind. Then a fourth person gets out of the car. An older man, wearing a trench coat, his gray hair pulled back in a ponytail. Bernie, Graphene yells. It's Bernie Connors, the boa convictor. The local news reporter smiles at Graphene pinned to the ground. I don't have my powers anymore, so I don't think I get to keep that name. But that does not mean I'm powerless. Mrs. Work laughs. You come to me without superpowers and think you can beat me? Bernie Connors keeps us calm. I have lost my superpowers, but I'm not powerless. I'd like to introduce you to Justina Crusher. Beninja likes the sound of that name. Awesome! 
You brought a grown-up superhero? What's her power? Super strength? Kung fu? Better, Justina says. I am a lawyer. She hands an envelope to Mrs. Worth, who, for the first time ever, legitimately looks scared. Justina says, Gwenifer Work, you just got served. Teal Titan, still dangerously pinned under a mechanical spider leg, smirks and says, like, OMG, your totes getting sued. Mrs. Work quivers with a mixture of fury and fear. My lawyers will have no problem tearing this apart. Mr. Jones folds his arm and nods towards the wreckage that is Binary Tower. Looks to me like your lawyers aren't at work today. Mrs. Jones steps forward and says, And the suit is pretty clear. You never canceled our son Jules' internship with Binary Consolidated. You've continuously endangered him while he's supposed to be under your care. Justina holds up a hand. You brought me to talk about the case. Let me do my job. She turns to Mrs. Work and says, But our case is pretty ironclad. You have failed to live up to your end of the deal with the internship. And also, it sort of looks like you're on the verge of dealing serious bodily harm to four civilians right now. Beninja scoffs. We're not civilians. We're superheroes. Graphene points at Mrs. Ponzone. She's not. She's a villain. Could you sue her too? The conversation is interrupted by even more squealing tires. This time, it's Rainbow Chaser's van, the Storm Runner, with its harsh metal panels bumping across the debris on the streets of Quadropolis. Jumping out of the van are Fish Out of Water and Rainbow Chaser, ready to fight. But as they survey the scene, they're not sure who they're supposed to fight. Mom? Dad? Fish Out of Water says. What are you doing here? They're suing Mrs. Work, Beninja yells. So, Fish says, does that mean we showed up a little too late to save the day? What have you even been doing? Graphene asks. Beninja swivels his head to answer Graphene. He was using Rainbow Chaser's ability to wish for a cool new superpower, remember? What did you get? Um, Fish says. The wish, um, it didn't exactly work out. It's just the same old fish out of water. Unless maybe you think I look a bit taller? His words are answered by the sound of dominoes falling. If dominoes were about 20 feet tall, the sound comes from an electrical pole that has been knocked over by a snot rhino, and it creates a chain reaction of pulling every other pole down the street. Someone's got to stop those animals, Graphene says from under Mrs. Work. If she would just let us go. Mrs. Work looks between the legal document and her prisoners and her spider legs, of which only two are unoccupied, and the Jones family and their lawyer. Summoning her resolve, she reaches a hand to the air and draws her fingers into a fist, then throws her splayed fingers toward the newcomers on the scene and yells, 
drones attack. From around the damaged buildings, a flock of binary attack drones emerge. Their sticky foot cannons swivel and point towards Fish and Rainbow and the civilians. The combined sounds of their propellers makes talking nearly impossible. Fish out of water dumps a bottle of water on his head and he turns into a bass, doing his mighty fish flop to clear the 40 feet between him and his friends who are under Mrs. Work's spider legs. But Mrs. Work just neatly catches him in her two unoccupied legs. And as he turns back into a human, she pins him with the other captives. I tried, friends, Fish yells. I wish I could have protected you a little. The sound of the sky being torn in half interrupts Fish's words. The weirdos look up, shielding their eyes. The sound is so loud, they expect to see a spaceship overhead. Squinting to block the bright light they see, they finally make out some detail of the thing that's causing this crazy loud sound. It looks like it's... a spaceship. Or maybe a missile. It came out of floor nine and a half of Binary Tower, and it's heading right for them. No! Screams Mrs. Work. But right before it slams into them, it flips around so its nose is pointed up to the sky, and it looks like it's going to land. It hovers mere feet above Mrs. Work, and Graphene realizes she's seen this before. It's something she saw when she was in the Superhero Museum in Binary Tower. It had a label on it that read, Terran Evacuation Module. As it hovers, a handful of round doors telescope open all around the body of the rocket, and long, tentacle-like arms emerge from the device. A voice comes from a speaker on the rocket, similar in pitch to the drones. Priority one. Identify and secure binary consolidated senior leadership. A tentacle reaches down and wraps around Mrs. Work. Priority two, secure valuable items and, if room is left over, non-heroic civilians. More tentacles poke around the wreckage around Binary Tower. Another tentacle moves to grab the station wagon the Jodens family showed up in but then it backs off, deciding it's too old to be valuable. Finally, the tentacles jet out and grab Ms. and Mr. Jones, the lawyer Justina, Mrs. Ponzo, and Bernie Connors. Quickly, the tentacles retract into the rocket, carrying all the adults with them. The rocket speaks again. All remaining bodies belong to heroes, and the only heroes in the world are binary consolidated property. We know this is true because Mrs. Work said so. Heroes, please activate the invulnerability module of your binary consolidated supersuit. Otherwise, you will be incinerated. As it says this, the thruster on the bottom of the rocket begins to glow and hum with a massive amount of energy, and the overwhelming heat begins to radiate down around the weirdos on the ground. Rainbow Chaser runs in to try to grab them and get out of the way, 
but the heat hits him like a wall and he collapses to the ground next to his friends. We're gonna fry here, he says. No, Jules says. It can't end like this. He throws out his arms to shield his friends, knowing that his arms alone can't really keep them safe. But as he throws out his arms, he notices they're covered with some kind of slimy goo material. It seems to be coming out of his skin. He opens his mouth in disgust, and even more of the snotty material flows out of his mouth. As he breathes, it gets bigger. Pretty soon, fish out of water has made a massive, disgusting snot bubble that covers all of the weirdos. This is repulsive, yells Beninja. But it's keeping us safe from the rocket, Graphene says. Over the massive snot bubble, the rocket, containing almost all the adults in their lives, blasts away. But the weirdos stay cool and safe beneath the snot shield fish out of water has made. Teal Titan laughs. Like, guess what? Your wish worked. You totes got a new superpower, fish. Like, super bogus. Oh my gosh, one more episode left in the season now. Thank you so much for tuning in for this one, dear listener. You can find us online at justusweirdos.com. And remember, we've got t-shirts for sale at justusweirdos.com slash store. I know a lot of you aren't seeing your friends, so you don't have as many reasons to wear really cool clothes around them, but you can tie them around your face and make a really cool mask. This statement has not been verified by any health authority in the United States of America. As usual, you can subscribe to us anywhere you find podcasts. Just search for Just Us Weirdos, and you'll get the new issue every time it comes out. As always, we have deep gratitude for Joe Carnwath, who wrote our original theme music. He performed it with his brother James. You can check out Joe's music online at joecarnwath.com or find him on Spotify. The song you're listening to right now, behind what I'm talking about, is called Cinderella, used by permission from Love Hustler, who you can also find on Spotify. Thanks for listening, and remember, be kind, be creative, and most of all, be weird. See you next time, weirdos.